The Botswana inflation rate is at a 23-month low and the Ghanaian city gains against the dollar. From over 869 cities, 121 countries, Kush Investments brings you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Adong. Your main story is brought to you by INM Bank PLC, INM Bank Rwanda. We are on your side. There are a substantial number of reasons why Africa presents an incredible investment opportunity for those with a long-term outlook. However, the cost on investment on the continent has been a major drawback. In this episode, Ryan O'Grady, CEO of Kush Investments, returns to the podcast to talk about the cost of investment on the continent. For me, I'm passionate about tackling the root issues of the cost of investing in Africa. Many countries have made good progress on breaking down the costs of establishing businesses, for instance. But I think we all agree there's still more work to be done across the continent on this. Fundamentals are in place through the efforts of IFC and other DFIs, and they're supporting this through technical assistance measures and and clear metrics with a number of countries. But one area we need to align on is the cost of debt. From sovereign rates down to commercial rates, these are just way too high. Part of this is coming from credit rating metrics that are frankly out of date and out of touch. We need to engage with our multilateral partners such as IMF, World Bank, IFC, to tackle this more smartly and particularly more urgently. We're looking at an issue of debt costs that will impact not just today, but generations ahead of us. We need to revisit this issue of credit ratings and get it right if we want sustainable and true development to take hold across Africa. When you have close to 20 nations in Africa today in distress due to sovereign credit costs, there's something fundamentally wrong with the system. These added costs of borrowing are crippling economies, and that trickles down quickly from the sovereign level to the commercial level, which is what we see in banking, uh, bank-level borrowing in the private sector today. Most recently, having worked in the banking sector in South Sudan, I saw firsthand that the cost of borrowing was considerable and a drag on the growth of the economy. Tell me, how are you able to drive productivity when you're paying double-digit rates on loans? How do you plan for infrastructure investments when you can only secure short-term borrowing? At Kush, we are impact investors, which means we're focused on the longer term, and we aim to bring in more patient capital to do this. This is a model that we have to look towards more broadly and much more quickly to enable the cost-effective build-out of value chains in Africa. We cannot move forward on cheap energy when we're paying high rates for build-out costs. We cannot talk about Africa being the breadbasket of the world when our cost to build the value chain are eye-watering and high due to the high cost of borrowing. We need to get more creative in our approaches, and we need to do so with a sense of urgency. To do that, we need to get more serious about what the metrics from these credit rating agencies are and how they're being applied in the African context. To me, I see a great disservice across the continent in the manner that this is currently being approached. I'm glad to see mention of the issue at the recent spring meetings, but now we need to urgently move from talk to action. Attacking the ongoing debt crisis in Africa is critical for generational fix for development on the continent. We've got to reassess the metrics, lower the costs, and enable us to unlock the potential of these regional and national economies. And that starts with a realization that what we're charging in terms of rates is unacceptable. This has less to do with risk and more to do with greed, in my opinion. 
So let's simply call it what it is, address the root issue, and be firm about not accepting this as a status quo any longer. We always have capital flight on the continent when there is a major global issue or election season. How do we stem the flight of investment from the continent? In terms of managing the capital flight during times of crisis, Africa is developing, and with that comes levels of instability, whether unrest like what we're seeing in Sudan at the moment, Our economic issues like currency devaluations in Egypt or South Sudan were both lost about half their value this year. Or operational uh, issues like access to energy and economies such as in South Africa. Each can be defined as a crisis. To invest in Africa today requires an understanding of the ground realities, which for many institutional investors seems to be lacking. As boutique investors, We understand the risks and we mitigate accordingly in terms of what we anticipate for in returns and the time to achieve those returns. Personally, I think Africa is a great opportunity to achieve significant returns for an investment portfolio. But like any investment, to make the decision to be there means you have to understand the realities of where you're working and have your risk metrics calibrated accordingly. I was listening to a podcast out of Rwanda last week. The founder of a firm there was talking about pitching for cash from VCs in the American market a few years back. How he ran into a complete lack of understanding of Africa by these firms. It's a reality. But through efforts by groups such as the Corporate Council on Africa, we're seeing continued familiarization to the risks and the rewards of investing across the continent today. I think over the decade ahead, the rates of investment will continue to rise. And one metric to success will be our continued engagement and education to the rest of the world with regard to the opportunities that exist, the context with which we operate in various economies in Africa, and the pursuit of investors who fit these criteria. Now, if you were to say to me today, Ryan, I want you to come invest in Europe or North America, I would say to you, no, I cannot do that. I lack the understanding of the fundamentals of those economies. And from what I can see, I would not get the rates of return that I'm comfortable with. My experience as an investor is in Africa, where I can price in disruption to my anticipated returns, but also price in the premium that we can achieve by being an early investor in markets, along with the impact returns that we look at as impact investors that we create by taking these positions. Investors in Africa need to recognize that just like those comfortable buying stocks on the New York Stock Exchange versus those in private equity, Africa is an investment segment that is not fit for all. It's not one size fits all. And the more we target qualified, informed, and long-term focused investment partners, the less we need to worry about outflows during crisis situations across the continent today. And a quick look at the market. The South African rand fell to a record low of 19.3 per US dollar before trimming losses back to 19.1 mark as diplomatic issues and the ongoing power crisis magnified the current flight away from risky foreign exchange. The tension to the US increased after it was reported that Johannesburg sold weapons to Russia to help with its war against Ukraine. On top of that, state power utility ESCOM continues to fail to provide sustainable power to households, offices and factories across the country, considerably lowering GDP expectations. 
Ghana City and Eurobonds extended gains on Monday as the nation expects the International Monetary Fund Board approval for a $3 billion bailout this week. The West African country anticipates the disbursement of the first tranche of $600 million US dollars will come immediately when the IMF board meets on Wednesday. This is according to the Minister of State for Finance, Mohamed Amin Adam. The next $600 million will follow in November with the remainder to be disbursed in equal portions of $350 million every six months, subject to IMF reviews. Ghana's currency strengthened 5.3%, the most since April 3rd. International bonds of various maturities also rallied, accounting for eight of the 10 top performers in emerging markets on Monday. And a quick trip around Africa. The annual inflation rate in Botswana eased to 7.9% in April of 2023 from a 9.9% hike in the previous month. This is the lowest reading since May of 2021 as food inflation eased to 16.6% from a 14-year high of 17.8% in March. Prices also rose at a softer pace for transportation, housing and utilities and education. Meanwhile, inflation was steady for furniture and household equipment while the cost accelerated slightly for for clothing and footwear and restaurants and hotels. On a monthly basis, consumer prices surged by 1.1% in April after a 1% increase in the prior month. Safaricom Telecommunications Ethiopia has officially been granted a license to operate mobile money services in Ethiopia. The license comes seven months after the commercial launch of GSM services. The M-Pesa license will open the country to the world's largest mobile money payment and Africa's largest fintech and the world's first mobile money transfer system. M-Pesa empowers over 30 million customers to transact, save or borrow money through their mobile phones. M-Pesa catalyzed financial inclusion in Kenya to 84% from a law of 26.7% in 2006, according to 2021 FinAccess survey, and generated over 117.2 billion Kenya shillings, about 886 million US dollars in revenue. MCOPA, a financial technology firm based in Kenya, has raised more than $215 million of debt and equity to fund its expansion in sub-Saharan Africa. This is according to its chief executive officer, Jesse Moore. The debt funding was led by Standard Bank Group, the continent's largest lender, with participation from the International Finance Corp, British International Investment, Mirova, Sanfanda, and Nithio. Some $55 million came in as equity from investors including Summit Corp, which put in $36.5 million, Blue Haven Initiative and Lightrock and Broad Scale Group also participated. MCOPA plans to grow its business in existing markets and start piloting services in South Africa as part of its continental expansion plan, according to Moore, who's also co-founder of the firm. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. If you have any suggestions or just want to check out more stories, visit the website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K-Financial. And you can find me at Withadong. <laughs>